Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Um, I have another interview. We just released uh, another previous interview I did with uh, J.P. Moses. Uh, this was another interview I did with a friend of mine, Sean McCloskey, for the Life and Air Insiders Coaching Group. Now, you've heard me talk about Life and Air before. I've interviewed Sean McCloskey and Steve Cook on this podcast before. I love Life and Air. Uh, they have a really, really good book. You've got to go to Amazon or go to lifeandair.com and buy their book. It'll change your life. Uh, life and Air has been a huge influence on me in my life. And uh, so anyway, Sean asked me if they could interview me for one of their group coaching calls. And uh, this was like last minute. <laughs> and uh, so I said, yeah, sure. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good recording. The feedback was really, really good on it. So we are including that interview here. It's like a group coaching call, uh, warts and all this. None of this stuff was prepared in advance. And hopefully um, it's not too long and I didn't say anything stupid. I have not even listened to this thing um, back. So uh, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that's okay. But I think it is because again, the feedback from it was really good. It's an, it's about an hour and a half long. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And even if you just get one or two things out of it, that'll probably make it worth it, right? So a um, few things I just wanted to mention as well. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out our Fast Cash Survival Kit. we got a lot of cool stuff on there. We're starting to do more content. We're starting to do more videos. Uh, you're going to hear me talking more and more in future upcoming episodes about our book, um, Brilliant at the Basics. Basically, my business partner and I, Peter, we want to do more deals. And uh, we created a partnering program. It's not coaching. Basically, we want to do more deals, and so we're looking for folks that um, get a lot of deals, but they need some, maybe need they want to do more, um, or even if you're beginning, that's fine, but we want to do more deals. We will set up your systems. We will do your marketing for you. There is an upfront fee that's required. We do ask that you pay this fee. You do have to be able to afford marketing every month. It's just a serious program. It's not for everybody, but regardless if you ever do work with us or not, um, this book, you'll get a lot out of it. And it's called Being Brilliant at the Basics. It's about just keeping the business simple, being brilliant at the basics. And um, it's free. You just pay shipping and handling. And you can get more information about this book at freebasicbook.com. Again, that's www.freebasicbook.com. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So the podcast website is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Listen, if you like this stuff, if you're getting any value out of it, will you please? Leave us a review in iTunes. Um, I've not been asking for reviews as much as I should be for our podcast on iTunes. We um, we really, really do appreciate your feedback. It helps with the rankings. And uh, I, I think if you like the show, uh, just do us a favor. Leave a review. If you don't like the show, well, leave us a review anyway. We'd like to hear what you think of it. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, if you like Life and Air, um, I want to highly recommend go to their website. Lifeinair.com, L-I-F-E-O-N-A-I-R-E, I think. <laughs> just just Google Life on Air. 
however you want to spell it, and you'll probably find it. But they have a really good book. you got to check it out. And I hope you enjoy this uh, interview. Okay? Take care. All right. Welcome, everybody. Um, I hit the record button. We are now recording. I see there's uh, about a dozen or so people on the line, more people coming in, so there'll probably be some late-minute stragglers. Uh, this call this morning is our life center call, and uh, I just talked to Joe McCall yesterday over text messages and chatting a little bit, and uh, he just got back from this unbelievable 10-week trip, and I thought, man, what better call to kind of interview him and see how he is running his entire life and business from the road than our life center call. So this morning, I am going to start out the call interviewing Joe for a little bit, and uh, then we're going to open it up after Joe's finished for questions, and then we'll open it up for any of your own personal challenges or any, any questions you have for your personal self, life, or business after we're done with that. But I thought this was pretty fitting for this morning because uh, every time I talk to Joe, it's like he's in a different part of the country. And if any of you follow Joe on Facebook at all, you probably seen some of the pictures he takes from Yosemite and all these unbelievable national parks and Alaska and all this stuff. So I'm not going to tell all about it. I want you to hear that from him, but uh, welcome, Joe. How are you, man? Awesome, Sean. I'm glad to be back, actually. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am glad to be back. We've, we've been gone quite a while, about 10 weeks, and um, it, we were torn, you know, we, we Wanted to come back and we didn't, and glad to be back. And living in a little 400 square foot camper with our family, a wife and four kids and a dog, makes you really appreciate the things in life that we have here in the United States. And I'm not saying like we were living in poverty, right? But you know, you have to think about things like electricity and water and where you're going to go to the bathroom, things like that. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to make light of people who really are living in poverty, right? Like we were live we were camping, and some would call it glamping, right? Because we had a nice camper, and you know we had hot water, we had a microwave, we had satellite TV, we had a stove and a and a kitchen, and even an outdoor kitchen. We had two refrigerators in this thing, right? So this camper is really big. It's really nice. It's only a few months old, but you know. A lot of the campgrounds we went to had no utility hookups, and so we had to use mm. we had to use generators. We had a limited supply of water, and whenever we would have our our waste tanks would get full, we'd have to find a way to dump it. And it was a full time job <laughs> taking care of that stuff, right? Just dump it. Just yeah, dump just, it out on the highway. That's no problem, right? Right. Um, so when we <laughs> when we get home, um. My goodness, you know, you have an unlimited supply of electricity. Um, you could let yeah. the water, because when you take a shower in a camper, you got to rinse yourself off, you know. You only have a limited amount of hot water. You rinse yourself off, and then you turn the water off, and you soap yourself, and then you turn it on again to rinse it. Well, you know, try training 8- and 10-year-old kids to do that. <laughs> um, so, you you know, here you come back to the States, I mean back to home, and uh you know, you can run, you can take a long shower, have almost unlimited hot water, and you don't have to hurry. It's amazing. And then when you flush the toilet, you know, it's, you don't, you could flush it as many, you can almost flush anything you want. Because yet, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not, it's a horrible analogy, right? Because here's Steve Cook. Well, in let Guatemala. me, I want to, I want to preface real quick before you get too much into this, because 
So, guys, for those of you that don't know Joe McCall, he is a real estate investor, and he speaks every now and then, and he's got an info marketing business and teaches other people how to do wholesale and lease options. And one of the things that Joe was talking about last year, or actually two years ago now, is that he would like to be a little bit more mobile in his business, and he would like to start being able to do what he does, but not, first of all, not have to do it every single day, but second of all, be able to do it from anywhere in the world. And so a couple of years ago, he did this trip out to Prague. And how long did you spend out there? We were in the Czech Republic for two months. For two months. And so what he found is that he was actually, um, weren't you even more profitable when you were in Prague for that two months than you were back home? Because it kind of forced you to be productive during the yeah. hours that you did work, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, did I make more money? I don't know. But I tell you, my dollar per hour was definitely higher than mm. Because um, I was, I only worked a couple hours a day, and I, yeah. you know, the same with this trip. And I'll talk about that later here too. I mean, I didn't work as much as I had hoped or as as I wanted to because it was kind of a working vacation. Um, yeah, but it was just hard to get internet service wherever we were. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and and I, I owe so much to life in there, right? And I didn't, you know, here's Steve Cook in, in the middle of Guatemala, and these guys really do have a problem with water and sanitary conditions. So I, I don't mean to take make light of what real people, real poor people, like 99% of the world are going through. Because um, we, we had a really, really nice, luxurious camper. Um, but uh, coming back here really makes you a, kind of have a different perspective. I mean, like, we were living in this 400-square-foot house, Okay, for two and a half months, and we come back here to our huge—it's almost five thousand fifty-five hundred square foot house, if you count the finished basement—and and we have so much junk, we and we have so much excess, um, it's kind of disturbing, and uh, you know, it's like we 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 were talking a lot about, do we really want to go back to all that? I mean, it takes ten minutes to clean our entire house. While we're camping, right? Sure. And and I can I can sweep and mop the entire floor on my hands and knees in five minutes <laughs> with a wet paper towel, <laughs> sure. right? And so sure. it's like, oh man, we we we're we're kind of like not looking forward to coming back to our su- nice suburban mm. clean bubble that we live in. And so that was really eye opening. But I owe a lot of this to life in there because. I mean, I was with, I was in Life in Air when it started, and I've always had, I mean, ever since we started, we we had this first exercise of creating a vision for your life and then designing your business around that, right? And uh, I always thought, man, it'd be so cool to have this thing called lifestyle independence, um, where lifestyle freedom, where I can, you know, live and work wherever I want, and if we just want to pick up and go, we can go. And so a year or two ago, we went to Europe for a couple months. And we, I was doing deals while we were there. And then on this last trip, we went um, for a couple months and nothing really changed. I mean, I had my team in St. Louis and my virtual assistants in the Philippines do all the work for me. And I don't know if Jason Roberts is on the call, but I've learned a lot from him too. Where and I think you said this, Sean. Jason takes a look at his entire list of things to do and asks himself, how can I get someone else to do all of this for me? And and yeah. that's that's what I've tried to do, and that's what really kind of 
allowed me to go on this kind of a trip and still work. That's awesome. Yeah, J- Jason does say that with a little twist. I think he says, how can I not do any of this? Okay. <laughs> Which is kind of the same thing, but, um, you know, the, 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 the slight difference in the question is sometimes things just get taken off the list because he doesn't want to do them and he doesn't even want to outsource them. And sometimes he realizes that they're not even important. And, uh, but yeah, man, I love that. That, That's, uh, that's really important. So can you tell us a little bit? So it sounds really cool to go traveling around and, and a lot of people are not in that position yet. And you weren't either just a couple of years ago. So what kind of things would somebody have to put in place? I mean, that may or may not be everybody's vision. And, And let me just clarify real quick because you have kids, right? Yeah. You got your dog, you got everybody in this thing. Um, did it get, did it, well, I want to ask you about your business here in a second, but did, did it get cramped at all? Were, were you sometimes at a point where you're like, man, I got to have my own space or was 10 weeks enough? Um, is this something that you would want to do full time or give me, give me an idea about that. You know, it did get cramped at first, but then you get used to it. And it's funny on this trip. I mean, we were closer as a family than we've ever been. You know, um, at home, we have a big king-size bed. And in the camper, my wife and I sleep on a little queen-size bed. I mean, a quote-unquote queen-size bed, right? Um, And so the kids all shared one room in the camper. The back of the room of the camper has four bunk beds in there. And, um, you know, looking back, they didn't have a ton of toys, so they played with each other a lot. Uh, My wife Mm. and I, we, we did buy a satellite you can buy a satellite portable satellite tv and you pay by the month and we i did subscribe to that but we literally on the 10 weeks we probably only watched tv with that satellite two or three times because wow. you know you got a f- campfire to look at you got the stars to gaze yeah. at you know you you uh we we always were out doing things and looking at things and we'd get home late and you know, we're just too tired to watch tv so we would go to bed we played games we I read more books than I than I have in a while, and um, so just you you get a little cramped at first because you're used to your big comfortable lifestyle, and now you're forced to live in a small little place with your family. And guess what? You know it forces you to be closer to each other, and that's one of the reasons why it was so hard to come back. In a sense that you know we're we're gonna we're gonna miss that closeness that we had. Um, sure. And even though I work from home. Um, and I have, you know, I have, I say I have three offices, right? I, I have an office at home, an office where we share a space, and a, an office at Starbucks. But, um, you know, <laughs> even working at home, um, it's nice, but here I am in a little finished office in the corner of our basement. And uh, there I was working out underneath these huge redwood pine trees on a picnic bench somewhere, wow. you know? And it just makes you appreciate the things that we have a lot more. And I think we definitely want to do it again. Um, So it it takes some time getting used to, but once you're used to it, you're like, this is really cool. I don't think we could do it for a full year. Um, That would be a little too much, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's people that have, and and we've met people that do it and, I know some friends, some good friends that do it. Uh, we do homeschool our older kids, um, so that you know, not that the homeschooling is not for everybody. So you you know, if you have children, you have to homeschool. We got an awesome curriculum that we use with our kids. It's faith based, 
and uh, it's really awesome. It just makes it so much easy. It it's, makes it really easy for my wife to to do this homeschooling with them because the curriculum is so good. And uh, um, but yeah, now you know. Honestly, we're we're, we're wanting to do it again, and we're even talking about going back to Europe for uh, maybe three to six months in 2015 next year. Um, but from a life perspective, it's it's so important. And why I'm excited about being on this call is because life in air helped me map out a vision for my life. You know, I, I want to hang out with my kids. I want to see the world. I want to see the United States with my family as much as I can before I retire, if I ever retire. But, like, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to be able to sure. buy a motorhome and travel around the country and see all these state parks, national parks. And I don't want to wait until I'm retired, quote-unquote, to go see the world. Why not see it now, right? Why, why not take our kids now to go see this stuff? What kind of memories is this? are they going to have from these kinds of trips? Um, and I, I hope they're not arrogant and proud because, you know, we are, you know, it was, we, we did this trip because I had, a, I, you know, I, I've, been, I've been very successful in my business, really kind of kicked, uh, turned around in the last couple of years. But, you know, our transmission blew out two days into the trip. And it was about seven wow. seven grand. I, I have this really expensive um, uh, Ford Excursion uh, diesel, and uh, it's you know it's not cheap to replace parts on this thing. But my our transmission was seven grand to replace, and we didn't have much choice. And I wasn't going to go back home, <laughs> so we're going to finish this trip, um, come hell or high water. And so I had to pay seven grand to fix this transmission. We are going to have fun, dang it. Yes. <laughs> That's when you start, you know, it's like uh, the vacation movies, you know, something goes wrong and you're like, dang it, we're going to have fun. Right. Well, you know, the, well, the cool thing about that is that we were at the best campground um, for the kids. They had a blast that week. We rented dune buggies. We went flying, you know, on this dune buggy through the mud on these out off-road trails. We got soaked in mud. The kids played in the pool. They played on these huge uh, water slides and, and jump pillows. Um, we did a lot of um, cool hiking. and, and uh... So anyway, in the midst of this adversity, we got this transmission fix, and we paid cash for it. Um, and just the, the peace of mind that, okay, here we are. We're going to embark on this journey, and this terrible thing happens. And it, it dawned on me, like, you know what? I don't have to put this on a credit card. I can just take yeah. care of it and go. And um, that was it was awesome because a few years ago we started creating a vision and saying we want to do this. How can we do it? Instead of asking ourselves, "Man, it would be cool to do that. Um, how could I ever afford to do that?" Right? We started asking yeah. ourselves, "How can we afford to do this? How can I start setting up my business so that we can take these kinds of trips?" And creating um, that, that business plan around your vision to, to do that. That's pretty awesome, man. Uh, and for those of you that don't know Joe, I mean, and think, well, it's easy for him. He's got a successful business now. Listen, I started with Joe, uh, I mean, what, back in probably 08? He hadn't even done a deal yet. Yeah. So it's not like he's been doing this 20 years and was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He struggled in the beginning, and he – he fought and he did all the same things that everybody does when they start their own business. I mean, he, uh, he had some hiccups in the beginning. He had deals that he lost money on. He had, you know, the stuff that he screwed up in the beginning too, but 
he has persevered and he's, he's developed his vision and he said, Hey, this is something that's really important to me and I want to figure out a way to make it happen. Now I have. And let me, let me, clarify, get so- let me clarify something too, Sean. But, um, I probably get 50% of my income from deals and 50% of my income from teaching and coaching. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's 25% deals and sometimes it's 75% teaching and coaching. And I really, really love doing that. It's part of my vision. I, I really enjoy that. But if I was doing just a hundred percent deals, um, I could still do these kinds of trips. So don't people, I don't want people okay. to think that, you know, well, Joe's doing that because he's, you know, teaching and coaching. Um, and, and, and teaching and coaching can be very lucrative. I think it was Robert Allen who said, I made millions doing deals and tens of millions teaching people how to do deals. So huh. it, it, it can be very lucrative, right? But um, you could still live this kind of lifestyle just doing deals. Because even when I was doing a ton of deals in St. Louis, I never saw the houses. I never talked to the sellers. Well, I did talk to the sellers occasionally. But, you know, I never saw the homes and never met the buyers. I always would get someone else to do this for stuff for me. So then I figured, well, why do I have to be in St. Louis to do it, Right. I've got a virtual assistant that does my marketing. I've got uh, a VA that pre-screens the leads. And I can get it under contract online. And I've got a realtor that can help market and sell my homes for me. So why do I have to be in St. Louis to do that? I could do that anywhere. And so I started um, testing that by doing deals in other markets. And then once I realized, you know what, I can do deals in St. Louis. And I can do deals in Palm Beach, Florida and Phoenix, Arizona virtually. Um, why not do them from Europe? Why not go to Prague? Because we have you know, friends and connections there and do deals from there. So I don't want people to think that you have to be in the information business or be able to do teaching and coaching and sell courses to do this. You can, you can travel like this and live whatever lifestyle you want and do deals. So I just wanted to clarify. Well, that. let me ask you to get specific because this is where people are going, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I you know, I do rehabs and there's no way I could leave and, so a few years ago, you were not able to do this stuff. So what was your thought process? You, you clearly first started by asking a different question, which I like. You said, instead of saying, you know, well, that's easy for other people to do, you said, no, 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 how can I have a business that allows me to travel like I want to travel? And yeah. so how did you answer that question in the beginning? What, what kind of things did you start to put in place specifically so that people can have some idea on, you know, I mean, I, I I'm sure there's tons of people that are going to listen to this and go, well, that sounds great, but how did you do it? Yeah. So how'd you do it? Well, a couple things. I realized early on, and I remember those days too, Sean, going going to your property match office, um, wanting to do deals so bad. And I, I so appreciate you, Sean, and, and you have no idea the influence that you and Steve and Life and Air have had on my life. And even before Life and Air started, um, but anyway, I remember early on in those days realizing that marketing is the most important part of this business. And I realized that we're not in the real estate business. We are in the marketing business. And almost every problem in real estate can be solved by marketing. Doing more of it or doing the right marketing, okay? Because leads are the lifeblood of your business. And so many people are struggling because they don't have enough leads. And I realized, I remember listening to um, a lot. I mean, I bought a ton of courses and gurus, and they, they talked about this stuff. And I didn't believe them until I started doing deals. And you go through these cycles, right? You do you do the bunch of marketing, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of leads. 
And so you stop your marketing so you can handle all the leads. And you get a couple contracts and you work real hard to sell them. And then you're excited, you know, and all of a sudden you make some money and you turn around and there's no more leads. Your pipeline is completely empty. And you think, oh, great, crap. And you start scrambling and you do more marketing and you get more leads. And you go through this huge um, roller coaster ride of ups and downs of getting all these leads. And I realized, man, marketing is really, really important. Um, what these gurus were telling me was absolutely right. Um, you've got to time block your marketing. You've got to plan on time every day or every week to do your marketing. And um, when I did the marketing and I started doing a lot of marketing consistently, it, it solved a lot of my problems. I don't know about all of them, but it solved almost all of my problems because now um, I don't have to try to work real hard to make a non-deal into a deal. Um, I'm not stressed out because I only have 20 leads this week and um, you know none of them are any good. And oh no, crap, what am I going to do? Um, and so you start taking those marginal deals because you don't have many to choose from, right? So you start taking these marginal deals on and before you know it... I would it, start thinking, well, something is better than nothing right now because i got nothing I'm working on, so I might as well work on something. Right. And then what I would start, start focusing my time on that marginal deal and next thing you know, you know, a marginal deal takes just as much time as a profitable deal. Yes. And pretty soon I found myself, I had a pipeline full of marginal deals, but it's really just because I didn't have much selection at the time. You're, you're hitting home with me pretty hard. Oh, yeah. And, and so it, it, then all of a sudden you work on this marginal deal, and guess what? That's the deal that's going to turn around and bite you in the butt. You know, you finish the rehab and it can't sell, and you're going you're gonna to have to come to closing with ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to sell the stupid thing. Or you finally rent it out and there's no cash flow. And then um, you know that it, it goes vacant, and all of a sudden you're you're making payments on a vacant house. So um, I I started realizing early on that the importance of marketing because if you're doing a lot of marketing and 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 spending your money wisely because you can spend money foolishly on marketing, spending money wisely on marketing, all of a sudden now you've got a hundred leads a week coming in, and you can be much more selective. Obviously, your chances of finding that sweet deal is going to be higher if you have 100 leads a week coming in than if you have just 10 or 20, right? So you can say no to those marginal deals. Um, you can pass on them and only take the good ones. And it also completely changes you psychologically when you're talking to sellers if you're not desperate. Like if you're talking to sellers and you've got 50 other leads to call and that seller's giving you a hard time, that's fine. Just move on. You know, so you're not sellers can pick that up uh, so easily when you're desperate on the phone or when you're talking to sellers and you're really trying hard to get this deal to work because you need to make some money. But if you have a lot, the right marketing going out and you got a lot of leads coming in, it almost it solves all your problems because you can just cherry pick the low hanging fruit and you can get these good deals. So I realized early on the importance of marketing. And then I heard somebody once talk about there's three keys to success in real estate. And, I, and I've been harping on this for years. There's three keys to success in real estate investing, marketing, automation, and delegation. And, um, and by the way, Sean, I, I just finished reading this book, The Pumpkin Plan. Have you read that yet? I have. It's very good. Oh, man, he talks about the sweet spot in there. And it, it's, it relates exactly to this same principle. Marketing, automation, and delegation. So I understood the importance of marketing, and I realized, all right, 
I tried to schedule time blocking and I couldn't do it. Um, so I said, I've got to get someone else to get this marketing done for me because if I don't do it, it's just not going to get done. So I started developing systems where I could get virtual assistants to do the marketing for me. And at the time, I was doing a bunch of Craigslist stuff and I was doing a bunch of postcards. Well, I still am, but I was doing more Craigslist stuff back then. This was in 2009. And uh, so now my marketing problem is done. Um, I'm still working a full-time job. I'm getting a ton of leads, and I, I have these systems and processes down to get all these leads coming in automatically without me having to work to do them. And now I have the problem of I can't handle all of these leads that are coming in. I got too many of them. So I started creating systems to delegate this stuff out. And I've, I got someone to take the calls for me. And so he started taking the calls, and he actually started meeting with the sellers and getting them under contract. And we had—I paid him a commission. He was commission-based. He was commission only. But then I had the problem of now I got all these properties under contract, I can't sell them. So then I started figuring out, well, maybe I could hire a realtor to sell these homes for me, to market these homes for me. So then I understood marketing automation delegation, and I had. The systems in place where the VAs were bringing the marketing out, sending the marketing out, getting the leads in, and then I had delegated this stuff out because I couldn't do it. I was working 50, 60 hours a week and having a family at home. So I had a, a friend taking the leads and meeting with the sellers, getting them under contract. And then I had a realtor that was advertising and marketing the homes. And um, I realized, holy, this is, I think, the key to success and and within about three to four months of flipping lease options like I was doing back in 09 my part-time income doing that surpassed my full-time income at my job I was an engineer with a large electrical company building these uh, power plants and uh, so I that's when I quit my job I, I said sayonara I left and uh, that was in 2009 April of 2009 so a little over five years now and I've just been I kept on doing that I kept on Okay, what marketing is working today? And I, I, I have to be focused like a laser beam on get, making sure that marketing gets done. And then how can I, what systems can I create to get that marketing going out the door every day? And then um, how can I delegate everything out to somebody else? So I'm just working on my business, not in it. And once I figured let that me, out... Let me interrupt real quick because I want to I make sure that everybody on the phone hears what he just said. I think... People have said to me, too, how did you end up getting to do so many deals? Man, I don't think I had the the delegation of the deals down as much as you had. But I'll tell you what I did do, and that is the delegation of the marketing. Yeah. And what you just said is profound because I learned very quickly. When I first even started in my short sale business, it was like a month into it, and I hated licking stamps, and I hate, and it got to a point where I hated the the process of marketing so much that I just either would not do it, which yeah. happened like 80% of the time, or 20% of the time I would guilt myself into it because I'm like, man, I you know I hate it, but it's got to get done. And then I would finally not do it for so long that I would just feel bad enough where finally I would do it. Yeah. And then I'd do it for a week, and then you know then I'd be like, oh, then I got calls coming in, then I wouldn't need to do it so much. So my marketing was never consistent. And what you just said is so important, and I want everybody on the phone to get this. The only way Joe is consistent is if it's him not doing it. Yeah. Because for me, I wasn't consistent at all until I hired somebody else to do it. Once the marketing was going out every single day, whether or not I was doing it, because somebody was getting paid to do it, 
Um, and there's cheap ways you can do that, which I might ask you about here in a minute. But once that's going out every single day, whether or not Joe has any involvement in it, that is a huge difference in the amount of leads that you're getting, the whole quality of your business, what you'll go after, what you won't go after. And what happens is it doesn't take very long before you start to get just a little bit, I say, arrogant in a good way. And what I mean by that is when you have four leads coming in a month, you try to turn every one of those leads into a deal. When you have 100 leads coming in a week, you don't have time to go after everything. And so if somebody is not willing to sort of abide by whatever your offer is going to be, then you're like, next, I got yeah. 99 more leads to work. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Right? Oh, yeah, and, and people are thinking, I can't afford to hire someone else to do it. Well, I, I say you can't afford not to because uh-huh. you are literally throwing away money. You're wasting that money. Uh, you're losing money by not doing that. And again, ask yourself the question, I can't afford that. Ask yourself, how can I afford that? How can I do that? And mm. you can fi- you can hire two, $3 an hour VAs to do this stuff for you. You can hire people um, to, to pre-screen leads and pay them on commission. Uh, realtors get paid on commission. Uh, you can hire other people to do this stuff really cheaply um, and, and or pay them on commission. So it's... I can't stress enough the importance of marketing. You you have to become an expert at it, and and once you do, then everything kind of else everything else kind of falls into place. I agree. And uh, you know, so the next obvious question is, well, what kind of marketing? Well, here's the deal. I mean, we can go over some of that if you want, but it almost. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it, what kind of marketing you do does matter too, but so many people spend so much time trying to figure out the perfect way to market before they'll market, Yeah, and that's not what you did, man. The, the, one of the things I like about Joe is that he is an implementer, and he would go out and he would try anything that he was told works, and in some ways, I wish I could be more like Joe because he... I tend to be more of a skeptic. Joe just believes everything, and he goes and tries it, and then he finds out whether or not it's true. Yeah, and and I there's in a lot of ways I wish I was more like that because I tend to want to have a little bit more proof, and I think most people want to have more proof before they're willing to try it. But I think uh, one of the lessons I learned from you, man, is that you just go out and you try it, and if it doesn't work, then you'll either tweak it or you'll totally stop it. But the point is, you're out trying while you know other people are sitting there trying to decide what which things they're going to do. You've already tried 15 things by the time they've decided to do one. Well, yeah, and, and, and I'm really big on education because that's, I think, really, really important. There's a lot of stupid, dumb education out there, um, but there is a lot of good education out there. And sometimes even a bad course is good because you'll learn a different way, a little different tweak, a little different twist on, on what somebody thing, on something that somebody else is doing. So I invested a lot of money in education. I learned from different people, different types of marketing, and I just started implementing it and figuring out what works and what sticks. But I realized also it's important to have a plan and you need to figure out, you need to break down your goals into things you can control. And this was really important for me when I'm traveling I know how much money I, w- I need to make every month to to make ends meet, right? And uh, so I try to come up with a marketing plan that's going to meet those needs. You can't control making ten grand a month, right? Um, you can't control getting fifty leads a month from your marketing, but what you can control is how much marketing you're doing every day, every week to get to those goals. So sure. 
bear with me here as I walk you through some real quick numbers, right? If you want to make a hundred grand a year, well, that's about ten grand a month, let's say. And let's say your average profit per deal is five grand. That means you need to do two deals a month. You can't control that, right? So let's say you need two deals a month. Let's just say you need three because maybe you only sell 75% of the deals you get under contract. So you need to get three contracts a month. Well, let's say you have to talk to 40 lead sellers. You need 40 leads to get one contract. So uh, what did I say? Three times 40 is you need 120 leads per month. And every market is different, right? So if you need 120 leads per month, what kind of marketing are you going to do to get that 120 leads? You've got to break this down into a plan that you can control. So let's say 50% of those leads come from postcards. So you need 60 leads a month from postcards. And if your average response rate is, let's be conservative, 2%, you need to send out 3,000 postcards a month. I like to send them every week. So I need to send out 750 postcards every week. Then you need to ask yourself, well, who am I going to send them to? Right? And there's different lists that you can send. But the, my point is you write that stuff down. Let's say 25% of your leads come from Craigslist. And what I mean by that is contacting landlords and sellers who are advertising their house on Craigslist and asking them if they want to sell their house. So then you work the numbers backwards and you realize, all right, I need to contact 20 sellers and landlords every day in Craigslist. Okay. And then you look at, well, the other 25% of my leads are going to come from vehicle signs or bandit signs or uh, making offers on the MLS or et cetera, et cetera. So now you have a marketing plan. And you know every week I have to send out 750 postcards. I have to contact every day 20 to 25 sellers on Craigslist. And I need to put out 30 bandit signs every weekend. I need to make 20 offers a day on the MLS, et cetera, et cetera. Those are goals that you can control. And the chances are very good if you're consistent with that stuff and you're doing it regularly that you're going to get a lot of leads and you're going to do a lot of deals. Then the next thing I like to ask is, all right, how can I get someone else to do all of this for me? How can I get someone else to do the Craigslist stuff for me? How can I get someone else to send the postcards? That way it gets done. Mark, I, I like calling it marketing done for me in spite of me. Someone else does the postcard. Someone else does the Craigslist. Someone else makes the offers on the MLS. You know, then I can focus on the other things in my business. Um, you know, talking to sellers and and uh, you know managing the rehab, whatever it is that your gifts are, whatever you're strong at, that's what you need to be doing. Does that make sense, Sean? It makes perfect sense. What do you feel like you are the strongest at in your business? Is it is that what it is? Talking to sellers? No. Or is it putting the systems in place or what? I think my strength is is marketing and systems. Um, I'm not good at talking to sellers, and, and in fact, this is how I do deals today, Sean. Uh, and I love this. This is this is something I'm super passionate about. Um, I find other wholesalers that were already are wholesaling deals. I mean, they already are good at talking to sellers. They're the guys and girls that they understand the the importance of speed when it comes to when you get a seller lead and that's hot. The chances are pretty high. They've already called five, ten other wholesalers. So they'll drop whatever they're doing to go meet with that seller. Those are the kind of wholesalers that will spend an hour or two at the kitchen table building rapport with the seller. 
and explaining everything and building that trust. And many times we'll get a lower offer accepted than someone else because that seller trusts that wholesaler, right? So I like <laughs> looking for other wholesalers that are already wholesaling five to ten deals a month. They already are successful, but they maybe they're not doing enough marketing or they're not doing the right kind of marketing. There's a lot of guys out there who have gotten comfortable getting deals from the MLS or foreclosures and, and uh, the courthouse steps. Um, or maybe they've done direct mail occasionally but aren't consistent with it. And I like to approach them and say, hey. Um, or maybe they don't like marketing. Yeah, you know? there's a ton of – there's a guy in our office I talked to yesterday who does not like doing it. And I'm scratching my head thinking, well, why not? I mean, the more marketing you do, the more money you make. Why don't you like doing it? Well, he just hates it. You know, and, and he's not licking stamps, but he hates going to click to mail and sending the postcards through click to mail. I mean, it's not that sure. hard, sure. but there's something about it he just hates. He loves talking to sellers, meeting with them at the kitchen table. Those are the kind of guys I like to work with. So I, I approach them and I say, hey, you already are doing a bunch of deals. I mean, I, I know that you already have a buyer's list. You already, I mean, you, a lot of these wholesalers that are successful, they have the cash. They can close quickly if they, if they had to. They could really literally close in seven days with their own cash. And if they don't have their own cash, they have access to transactional funding. They know the game. They're not a beginner. They're experienced wholesalers. They already have the network. They already have the money or access to it. And uh, they just need more leads. Right, and I love the marketing and the systems and the automation. So I'll approach them and I say, "Hey, why don't I do the marketing for you? And any deal that you get from my marketing, we'll split the profits fifty-fifty." I got this idea from one of my students, Sean. This, and I interviewed him on my podcast, um, Real Estate Investing Mastery, and he was a student named Jake, and he lived in San Jose, which is very expensive, uh, Southern San Francisco. And he was engaged. His wife, he, there, his his fiance at the time, and him were both working full time jobs. And he really wanted to do real estate investing. He was doing a bunch of marketing in San Jose and was really kind of getting frustrated with the results. Um, you know, uh, Northern California, the Bay Area is a very tough market. You you have to do more marketing there to get um, a deal. But your profit margins are much higher on deals there. Sure. Um, so, but anyway. He's doing a bunch of marketing and kind of getting discouraged. Well, his fiance moves to Fresno uh, for a job transfer, and he goes and sees her on the weekends. And um, he's down there one time, and he sees a bunch of for sale by owners. I mean, uh, uh, bandit signs out there from investors in Fresno, California, which is kind of in the in the middle part of California, in the in the desert valley area of California. And um, homes are much cheaper there. And he contacts these other wholesalers that are there and um, he says hey you know tell me about your business and they're wholesaling a bunch of deals and he has this idea well what if I did wholesale what if I did the marketing the same marketing I'm doing in San Jose what if I did that same mar marketing in Fresno and I'll send the postcards there and I'll do the Craigslist stuff and I'll do the bandit signs whatever I'll pay someone to do that and then the leads will come into me. I'll pre-screen them and then give them to that wholesaler. So he called about 10 different wholesalers that were down there. He found only one or two of them that were serious players. You'll, one of the things you'll find is that most people out there aren't that are doing marketing aren't serious. They're not like really committed to it. So he found the one or two that were really committed to it. There was a full-time income wholesaling houses. These guys already had 
systems of the network is in place to wholesale deals successfully. So they, you know, they were already trained. He said, let me do your marketing for you. They said, great. And so he started doing the marketing in Fresno from San Jose, which is about two or three hours drive, I think. And uh, he started taking in the leads, pre-screening them himself, and then sending them on to his wholesaler friend in Fresno. His wholesaler friend would immediately drop everything to go meet with the seller, get it under contract, and get it sold a couple days later. I mean, these guys are just machines. They're animals. They're very aggressive. And, uh, and so all of a sudden now, he's making enough money doing that that he can quit his job, and he moves to Fresno to be with his fiance, right? But guess what? He still kept on doing the same thing. Even when he lived in Fresno, he still kept doing the marketing for the other wholesalers, and he was just the middleman. Um, so I interviewed him probably about two years ago, and I thought, that is freaking brilliant because um, this is a guy who knows what he's good at. He's good at doing the marketing, and he's good at pre-screening those sellers, doing those initial calls. And so I started thinking about how I could do that myself. And so I started, I started my, my, in my consulting business, I started doing marketing for other students. And um, that's good. Um, but I, then I started to put a little more twist on it again. And I thought, well, why don't I find other wholesalers who are already successful? And I will do their marketing. I'll pay for the marketing. I'll have my virtual assistants pre-screen the seller leads that come in and call all the hang-ups. And if a, if a potential lead comes in, then we'll give that to the wholesaler. Then we'll split the profits, and I'll get reimbursed half of the marketing expenses. So there's really no risk to the wholesaler out there. And they can, um, they're getting these pre-screened, pre-qualified leads. I'm paying for the marketing, and they only pay me if it turns into a deal. And so I'm doing this right now for about four or five other wholesalers in other markets right now. Phoenix, Palm Beach, Pinellas County, Florida. I was here in St. Louis. And is that four? Um, and I'm going to be doing it real soon here in Baltimore and up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, so far it's going really well. I've been really, really pleased with it. Um, and uh, I'm excited about it because now I could do this in, in, as, in as many markets as I want. And it's just a matter of me finding other people that I can... Um, partner with in this kind of situation and it allows me to be location independent i can work anywhere in the country um anywhere in the world does that make sense did, did um, was i complicating it, it too much sense. i absolutely love it no no no. i mean it, it sounds absolutely phenomenal and i love it because you're doing what you do best and that this is one of the things that i think most people just don't get it they think they think that they have to do every part of the transaction. They they get overwhelmed by everything that has to be done to make money yeah. in real estate, or really for any business. And you're honing in on the one thing that you do well. I mean, you've got that. I don't know if you guys heard this earlier, but Joe was an engineer before he was in the real estate business, and so he his strength is figuring out how to put systems in place and how stuff works. And now he is a great implementer. But when it comes to doing the same thing over and over and over long term, Joe, I think you get bored to death, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have to do the exact same. So one, one of Joe's strengths is that he's good at engineering and, and kind of putting stuff together. But he, he also, you know, some people would look at the fact that Joe gets bored 
and can't kind of do the same thing over and over and over and over forever, they would look at that as a weakness and they would beat themselves up about it. And instead, Joe says, wait a second, how can I figure out how to take what I'm good at, turn it into a system, have other people do it? I can constantly recreate it or tweak it and make it better, but I don't have to do it every single time and I can still make money on it. Yeah. What, what he's finding is he's actually turning the real estate investment business into an actual business versus what most real estate investors have, which is a job. Yeah. You know, this is the difference between him being able to go on vacation and go travel for 10 weeks at a time. Now, not, it doesn't mean that you can just set it and forget it and not ever have to do anything with it again. I'm sure there are components of it that you can do that with. But now all you have to do is maintain certain aspects of it, remember what's working, tweak what's not working a little bit, and still get the results. Yeah? I think it's important to know what you're good at, right, what your strengths are. Because you may be like this other guy in our office who – doesn't like doing the marketing, but he just loves talking to sellers. Maybe you're that guy who likes to talk mm -hmm. to sellers and you're good at building rapport. Well, find somebody else in your market who is good at the marketing, who hates talking to sellers, right? And and partner with them somehow. and Make it sure it's fair and equitable, but um, say, hey, listen, you have the money to invest in marketing, um, but you don't like talking to sellers or you're not good at, good at it. Why don't you do the marketing for me? I'll talk to the sellers and sell the properties. And we'll split the profits on the deal. So, I mean, yeah, I could make more money if I did this myself, maybe. But knowing me and how, I don't want to say lazy I am, but, um, you know, I, I just don't like talking to sellers. I don't like meeting them in person. It just wouldn't get done. And so 50%. You said, uh, you're lazy. <laughs> yeah, well, you are too, Sean. <laughs> we're, we're, we're wanting to start a, a Slackers Anonymous group. But um, <laughs> we need to talk about that. <laughs> but we we can uh, uh, you find out what you're good at and, and find out what you're not good at and get somebody else to help you with that other stuff. And I think yeah. it all revolves around marketing. All revolves. So you either have to be the one who's good at marketing or you need to partner with somebody who is good at marketing and, and split the deal. So I can do, you know, five to ten deals a month when I'm partnering with somebody else. Yeah, I'm only making 50%, but 50% um, uh, of ten deals is better than 100% of two. Yeah. Well, let me let me paint a picture, too, for the people on the phone, because there's a guy named, can I say who you're working with here in St. Louis? Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So a guy named Jeremy Velocic is here in St. Louis. He's uh, been a student. He was one of my very first short sale students years ago. Jeremy is a total go-getter. He, is, matter of fact, uh, I did a call with him, a uh, real estate call with him just a couple of months ago. And for those of you that were on the call, Jeremy had done, like he just started his real estate business back up and going after shutting a brokerage down. He uh, opened a bro uh, Keller Williams brokerage and worked on that last couple of years and then realized that wasn't what he loved doing. So he reopened up his real estate investing business. And I think from January until the time I interviewed him in like April or something, or maybe May, he had already closed 22 deals. And he had just started it back up in January. Yeah. Well, Jeremy is the kind of guy that Joe was looking for. So Joe and Jeremy partnered up. Jeremy hates doing all the marketing, but where Jeremy shines is he is phenomenal in front of a seller. Yeah. And if you guys heard the call I did, it was a negotiations call about how Jeremy pretty much always gets the deal. Jeremy is a master negotiator and he knows that's his strength, but what's not his strength is systems. He sucks at it. He hates it. Yeah. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He wants to have the phone ring and pick up the phone 
he wants to go to a house knowing that he's going to write it up and turn it into a deal. As long as the phone's ringing, he's fine. But when the phone stops ringing, he gets stressed and he doesn't enjoy what he does. So Joe and Jeremy get together and they decide, okay, Joe can make the phone ring. Jeremy can be the guy that goes in the appointments. They're both focused on their strengths. Joe is loving the relationship because he gets to focus on what he's good at, which is making the phone ring and doing the marketing and putting those systems in place and having his virtual assistants do most of it. Yeah. Jeremy's loving it because his phone is ringing off the stinking hook all day long. He's getting just about more leads than he can handle. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm having breakfast with him this week. And uh, one of the things he said last week, he goes, man, I'm loving every second of this. He goes, you know what? I'm, he says, I'm working harder than normal. But he says, I'm working on the stuff that I really enjoy doing. So it kind of doesn't seem like as much work. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to meet over breakfast. Uh, I think Thursday of this week and, and talk about how he can try to do a little bit more with still utilizing his skills. But it's a relationship that's working out really, really well so far because both of them are focusing on what their strengths are, period. And, uh, and you know, as a result, Joe gets to go travel. He can turn his marketing machine on. He knows that Jeremy's back here on the ground. Jeremy is a mover and a shaker. He, Joe knows for sure that Jeremy is going to be answering the calls. He knows that Jeremy can't handle not answering the call. That would stress out Jeremy more to not answer them than, than uh, to get them done. And so the relationship works. Yeah. But some of you have tried doing some of this in the past where you've tried to outsource or you've tried to only work on the things that you enjoy doing, but you've tried to partner up with the wrong people. And it's important for what Joe said too, because he has clearly identified who works for him and who does not. Jeremy works for him. But somebody who, Joe, I'm assuming a, a brand new investor is probably not your ideal candidate, even if they are hungry. Maybe they are. I don't know. But right. you've clearly identified who the right person is, right? Yeah. You know, and with my consulting program, my done-for-you marketing, I will still do marketing for the beginning investor, but I'll make them pay for it. And I, and I charge mm. a, a premium up front. It's part of my coaching program, right? Um, so I still, it's just a little different. Um, and then like, well, I'll give you an example. Um, one client in Florida, uh, he paid me quite a bit of money, him and his wife to coach them. And I've coached them for about six to seven months now, maybe more. Um, he just left his job. He's got, um, oh, he's got like 40 grand, 50 grand last time we talked in the pipeline right now for deals. And, uh, he's a guy that has proven himself. He's doing really well. Um, and he needed some help with um, investing in marketing. And so I offered him, I said, hey, listen, I know you can close deals. I know you're aggressive, and I've seen you grow into this, and you've proven yourself. What if I paid for the marketing? Um, it's like an, I'm, in being, I'm, I'm becoming an investor in his business. What if I pay for the marketing and use my systems and uh, do all the – and by the way, one of the things that holds all of this together is Podio. Podio is the CRM software that we use, and it's free. It's absolutely amazing. But anyway, um, yeah, so we've been partnering together now, and it's been a couple months. We've got three deals that are going to be closing in the next, either this week or next week, and we are splitting the marketing costs as well. So after the deal yeah. happens, I get reimbursed half of my marketing costs um, and split the profits 50-50 on the deal. And he's super cool. excited about that. So that's an example of someone that I've taken as a coaching student where he was paying for all the marketing I was doing it to transitioning into 
listen, I see success, so I'm going to pay for. I'm going to start investing in your business. Um, I do that occasionally. So, with somebody like Jeremy, though, now you you may view that a little bit differently. Where one of the benefits, Jeremy, is not paying for marketing and not having to do it. So, yeah. you know, Jeremy is aggressive enough to where you may be willing to front that. Uh, those marketing costs, knowing that Jeremy is going to take care of the leads that do come in, correct? Right, exactly. So you do have a little bit of exposure there, but you're you're limiting your exposure in that regard by only working where you're paying for all the marketing. You're only working with the the uh, the guys who are already closing the five ten deals month um, per month, like you were talking about. So you're yes. you're trying to limit your exposure of what's going out the door each each month in that regard by only working with experienced people, sort yeah. of the best of the best, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this guy I'm working, another guy in Palm Beach, Florida, he literally closes nine out of ten sellers that he meets with in person. Right? That's not out, not that's not nine out of ten sellers he gets leads on, but when when he goes and meets with the seller at their kitchen table, nine out of ten times he's going to get that property under contract, either that day or a few days later. That's how good he is. I mean, he's just a bulldog, but he's super nice, friendly, outgoing, energetic. You know, he's, he's, he's not a slimy sales guy that, you know, pushes people into doing something they don't want to do. Uh, people just like him. They like him, right? I could never be like that, <laughs> Sean. I could never be that guy. Um, and so, people just don't like you? No. People don't like me at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yes. It's, I don't know. I could never be the guy people actually like. <laughs> so it's not like we're there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. So anyway, that's I think I'm hoping that helps somebody out there. You know, um, you got to figure out that marketing is 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 what it's all about. And uh, either you got to do the marketing or somebody else has got to do it. But you have to get it done. And and once you get the systems and you figure out what works, and there's a lot to marketing, right? You got to make sure that you're mailing to the right lists. You got to do when everybody's going. This way, you got to go that way. Um, mm. It's it's important to. I mean, right now, I'll tell you this: what I've been seeing a lot, and we send about. Oh, we're spending about ten thousand dollars a month on marketing right now. Um, so that's what twenty five thousand postcards a month that we're sending right now in in different markets mm. for different people. Um, well, actually, we're spending more than that. I'm just just in postcards. We're spending about. 12 grand a month in postcards. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, what I'm seeing a lot is everybody is mailing to the absentee owners list right now. And um, it's becoming very competitive. So um, what I'm seeing success in right now is mailing to regular homeowners who have equity in their houses. And uh, you're mm -hmm. not going to get as much as high of a response rate, but it's um, they have equity. There, the great thing about direct mail is you can target homes that have equity. You can target homes that are meet your criteria with zip codes and three plus bedrooms and garage or whatever. And um, so I, I'm seeing a lot of success in. It used to be absentee owners were the best lists, one of the best lists you could buy, but it seems like a ton of people are doing that now. It's becoming difficult. So now I'm looking at other lists and just giving it time. And the absentee owners list will become really good again soon, but. Um, that you got to really be a student of marketing. You've got to uh, see what other people are doing. You've got to network with other people around the country. If you can afford it, buy as many courses that you can on marketing and uh, real estate investing that 
talk about marketing and what's working today and and just implement it and see what works and see what doesn't. Awesome, man. I might, if you're okay with it, um, just because we've been going for about an hour now, I might open it up to see if anybody has any questions, if you're yeah. okay with that. Yeah, mind? for sure. All right. So, guys, I have everybody muted right now. Um, I've got the Q&A button push, which means everybody's muted, but you can press star seven if you have a question, and that will automatically unmute you. So just make sure you don't have a, a ton of background noise going on um, before you press star seven. Star seven will unmute you if you have a question for Joe. It's your turn. Joe. Yes. Hi. How are you doing? This is uh, Malik from New Jersey. Hello. Um, my question to you is... Uh, when it comes to like marketing, I'm in a I'm in a, a high density uh, metro area in New Jersey. You know, like uh, I'm surrounded by like three counties. Yeah. Um, and each county, there's specific towns where you know there's a uh, it's lucrative for you to make money if you're consistent with the market. Right. Um. But how do you focus? I guess where your dollars are going um, versus just being all over the place. You know what I mean? Like, instead of trying to be in all three counties or, yeah. you know what I mean? And then there's, there's there's investors that I will wholesale to, and not all of them wants the same area, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know, there's a couple what, things. What would be a-, a couple things I would say. Um, when I look back, when I wholesaled a bunch of deals, and I've gone through times when I wholesale more deals than others. Um, there was a time last fall where we were wholesaling about five deals a week. Um, so that's what, 20 a month. And it was all because of one simple reason. We found some really good cash buyers. So instead of, because I brought a new uh, a guy on as my, being my, he was my acquisitions manager. And this is another story into my journey about this, Sean. And this ties into answering your question. But, um, you know, I wanted to outsource my business, right? So I hired a acquisitions manager. So I'd do the marketing and I figure I'd train somebody to do, go get the deals under contract. And I'd pay him, I paid him 25% of the deal. But it turned out I was still really involved, right? Because now I'm training somebody. I have somebody on my team. Even though he's 100% commissioned, he's like an employee. And I'm still answering a bunch of questions. I'm putting out a bunch of fires. And even after all of my expenses, after I pay for the marketing, after I pay him, and then the different costs involved with that, I'm still only netting maybe 40% on the deal. Um, so then that's when I started thinking about, why don't I, instead of hiring somebody as an acquisitions manager, why not find somebody who already is successful? Well, anyway, um, what we did, though, is we said let's instead of marketing for sellers first let's market for buyers first and we started doing a bunch of direct mail to cash buyers who had bought properties recently in St. Louis and also we started marketing to out of state buyers who were buying properties in other states so we picked about seven different markets that were very active Dallas Memphis uh Cleveland Ohio uh um, Kansas City, and one or two, Indianapolis, and a couple of, maybe Cincinnati. And we picked like f- seven different markets where uh, other investors were buying properties. 
and we found the investors who were buying properties in those markets from other states. So we had a list of about 1,500, 2,000 cash buyers, and we started sending them letters and postcards saying, hey, if you're looking for good cash flowing deals, we've got them here in St. Louis. We are one of the premier uh, real estate investment companies in St. Louis, and we've got a lot of good deals for you. So give us a call. And we started taking calls from these investors, and we found some that were really hungry for deals. And we just asked them, uh, well, what are you looking for? How many do you want to buy every month? Um, and so we found these guys that had, you know, they wouldn't tell us how much they had in cash, but they would say things like, you know, we're looking to buy 20 more properties in the next six months. And uh, we're looking for properties that have at least two or three bedrooms. They can't be in the bad areas. It has to meet these numbers. They have to meet certain cash flow and certain uh, return on investment. And so then what we did is we turned around and started marketing for sellers in those neighborhoods that we knew we could get those numbers and started getting these properties under contract. And we we started building relationships with property managers and rehabbers in the St. Louis area. So then we started putting these packages together for our investors. So we found the buyers first and then we started marketing to them. And when we that's a really, really powerful strategy. It's nothing new. People have been teaching that for years, but a lot of people focus sometimes mistakenly on finding the sellers first and then finding the buyers for the properties. Well, when you build a good solid buyers list, you become like a bird dog for them. Then you go out, you start marketing the homes, you get them under contract, and you either double close or you assign your contract to your cash buyers. But, you know, we could walk around town saying, hey, We've got a million dollars burning a hole in our pocket. Who has a deal? Okay. And so we started sending emails out to other investors in St. Louis. We started building a network of realtors and investors and property managers. And we started getting other people to bring their deals to us because we had the money. We had the buyers. And, and so within a few months, we stopped doing much marketing because we were getting so many referrals from other, from other people. Um, so anyway, the other thing I was going to say is you have all these markets, these counties you're in, right? So number one, find out who the serious buyers are and, you know, call them up and say, hey, how can I help you grow your business? How can I help you find more deals? Um, and find out what they want. Find out what they're looking for and the numbers they have to have. And then go out and hit the streets and make offers on the MLS and do marketing. The other thing I like to do is you can do this in list source. You can go in and say, all right, show me all in each county, show me all of the investors that bought homes in the last six months. I'm on the phone. Can't talk. Show me all of the investors who bought homes in the last six months. And uh, it'll pull you the list. And then you can break that down by zip code. And it's this is free, and I wish I could show it to you. Um, maybe I can do a video, Sean, and you know, if you want, you can send it to anybody who asks for it. But... You can say, okay. all right, show me a list of all the zip codes where all the investor transactions occurred in the last six months. You can export that into a table and then sort it by the most active zip codes. And it's really cool because then you can look at the each county has 50 zip codes in it or whatever. And then you can pick the top zip codes that have the most investor activity. Well, the cool thing about that is now you know which zip codes 
um, are the most active, where most of the investors are buying homes. You also know how much they're paying for these homes. You can go in and look to see, all right, well, they're paying an average of $30 a square foot for these houses, okay? And then you can also go in and see who those buyers are. So now you know, okay, instead of these 100 zip codes, I'm going to target these top 15 zip codes. And I know what prices these investors are paying. And I know who these investors are. So now I'm just going to go out and do marketing to investor to homeowners in those zip codes. And I already have a buyer's list that I can market the homes to once I get them under contract. It's simply a matter of doing some research and figuring out uh, the best use of your marketing dollar. So go where the demand is. That's my uh, my, my my long answer to a short <laughs> short question. I, I just want to add one thing to that, and that is that is definitely uh, an approach that works really well. And if you're overwhelmed by anything that Joe just said, pick one area. I mean, sometimes when you're in a, a, a highly populated area, it uh, looks like based on your phone call, you're calling from New Jersey. And so you've got a lot to choose from uh, probably where you live. You know, there is buyers everywhere. Now, granted, Joe is doing something very specific. He's finding the buyer and saying, let me find exactly what you're looking for. And then he's going out and finding that. And that's great. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And also, if that overwhelms you, just pick one area. That's it. And then just mark it like crazy in that one specific area and see what you find because, um, you know, uh, I mean, I'd rather have you doing something than nothing. And a lot of times people get overwhelmed and when they get overwhelmed, they just do nothing. So if any of that overwhelmed, you just pick one area and just hone in on it and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, Does that help? Yeah. I hope that helps. And I hope I didn't overwhelm you with all that information. <laughs> no, you definitely didn't. Um, and then my other question real quick, and it's probably a little off topic, but it was for Sean. It's Sean, if you're, I'm, I just have a, got a short sale client, but her property is due to go to the sheriff's sale on the, uh, September 10th. I faxed in the authorization to release information for, and I I uh, I spoke with loss mitigation, and they said there was no guarantee that they would do the short sale or not do the short sale. But what they would do is to quick out and submit the whole packet over. They would definitely begin to look at it and work on it. So, do I continue to even proceed with? The short sale process, or I mean, we still have time to do an adjournment in New Jersey. Yeah, I, mean, and, I, know, I would. Thirty days. I would right now. Uh, I mean, we're kind of in a transition stage right now, where like five years ago, I would have said that if if there wasn't at least ten days left before uh-huh. the foreclosure sale, don't waste your time. I mean, you still got about fifteen days left, so you're fine either way. But um, you know, and five years ago, still- things were. Well, yeah, five years ago, I would have said, don't waste your time if the sale date's coming up in 10 days or less. But mm. then two years ago, I would have said, if it's the day before the sale, submit mm. an offer because the bank will probably postpone it. Well, today we're kind of in a transition period where it's like, it depends on the lender. Some lenders will postpone real easily. Some of them still don't want to. So, you know, the only thing you can do to find out is to make an offer. The interesting thing, though, is she has a uh, uh, her uh, primary mortgage is with Weikert Realty, and then she has a, a home equity line of credit with uh, I mean a home equity line with uh, Bank of America. 
Is Bank of America the one foreclosing? No, no. Weikert is. That's okay. They have the. Uh, and she only owes. Well, she just she owes like uh, like almost one hundred seventy nine thousand. So, and I I've been kind of like going over the video. So, and I know you were saying now would that be considered like offering like eighty percent? Of no, 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 you. It doesn't to me. She could owe a million bucks on that same house. I don't care. But just because she owes a million doesn't mean I'm going to offer eight hundred. So you got to figure out what the property is worth, and then offer whatever you're going to offer behind what it's worth. What do you think it's worth right now? Um, it's value if it's fixed up like two thirty, two thirty, two forty. What's the need for fixed up? How much? How much repairs? On the outside. Is where you need the majority of the work. Where it needs the roof, I'd say probably roof, paint, or siding. Be probably about maybe about fifteen tops. And okay, so it's not bad steps. at all. Okay, all right. And the, as they only owe one seventy nine. Yeah, they owe one seventy nine. It's a, a older couple. The husband had lost his job, so the I mean it's a three one. But the, the 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 lady she had a she had a hardship. Her uh, she was taking care of her elderly mother who passed, and then her father passed, and she fell behind, you know, him taking care of her, her parents. How, how much is owed on the first mortgage? Uh, yeah, that's what she, she, well, she owes the one, 170, 179 on the first mortgage and then the, uh, on the uh, home equity line of credit. Okay, all right, okay, now it's a different story. I thought she owed 179 total, okay. Well, you know, offer what you're going to offer. Submit an offer to the bank and see what they'll take. I mean, if if you want to offer, what, what do you think you want to offer on the first? Just whatever that's going to be, just write it up and shoot it over. See if you can get that sucker postponed. I mean, uh, okay. the closer your offer is to 179, the uh, more likely they are going to postpone it. But don't offer close to 179 if that's not what you think you want to offer. Cause yeah, yeah, I was thinking that's a second to deal with also. Right, right, okay. I was thinking maybe offering about half of that, possibly. Go for it. Okay. I mean, really, that's pretty low. If the if the property really is worth two thirty and only needs fifteen grand worth of fix, and you're going to offer eighty grand, you know, that's pretty low. They're probably not going to accept that. They're probably going to take it to foreclosure. So, you got to find a balance between what you want to pay versus what you think they're going to accept and then offer somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. And there's not a science to that. There's you gotta you gotta kinda figure in what you can justify with comps in the area and what, what they think the property uh, is also going to be worth versus what you think it's worth and so on. But you know, if you go in and what I'm what I'm getting at is if you go in and offer them five dollars, they're not gonna stop the sale. You know, if you right. go offer them one seventy eight, they'll probably stop it. But that's not gonna work for you, so you gotta find somewhere in the middle. Right, right. Okay. All right, guys. Who else has some uh, other questions? Star 7 will unmute you. I see there's about, I don't know, 15 or 20 people on the call, and all of you are muted as of right now, so I'm assuming that means you don't have questions, or Star 7 will unmute you so that you can ask a question for Joe. Either that or Joe, maybe you just answered every question everyone has on the face of the earth. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, this is Damien. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Damien? 
Hey, um, I did have a question. Um, when you say use uh, virtual assistants, um, how do you do that? Well, I guess you don't use virtual assistants for your postcards, or you do using um, Vistaprint or something like that? Um, for postcards, I use a company called try-win.com. Try-win. Try-win. Because I do so many of them, I get postcards at 33 cents a postcard which trust me is insane no one else can do it cheaper <laughs> but you've got to send like 6500 a month to do that i'm well over that but um they're really really good Th most people just use click to mail okay and with click what to mail click to mail click the number 2 mail.com mail. and they're about 43 cents a postcard um and they're still really good because they're fast, right? And there's no real minimum order quantity. There may be, but I I don't know. It might be like 100. Um, so you can, you know, upload 50, I mean 500, maybe 1,000 postcards and send them. And they will print and mail the next day. Um, now with click-to-mail, the cool thing about it is you can preload money and you can upload your template for postcards, Okay. And you could mm -hmm. you could have your VA send postcards for you, just using your preloaded funds and your preloaded templates. Um, there's something else that's really cool that you can also I don't I, I don't want to get too technical here. I'd, it's, I'd have to show it to you, but you can have your VAs send in the Philippines send letters for you as well through Click to Mail, one at a time. And we do this with follow-up. So if a seller says no to our offer, we're going to send them a letter and a contract. And I can have my VAs do this through Click2Mail. They can send one letter at a time through Click2Mail. Um, that's a little more advanced, but Click2Mail is a really good site. You should get familiar with it. And um, the the other thing I'll say, too, is with Click2Mail... If, maybe you don't want to have your VA do it because if they make one mistake, that's a lot of money, right? Your your thousand postcards are all wasted if there's one mistake, and Click to Mail is not going to refund your money. So you could do it yourself and just schedule them out, right? So you can upload ten thousand postcards addresses and schedule those postcards to be sent, you know, a thousand every week for the next two weeks, and just do it once and it's done for ten weeks. So that's what okay. I might recommend before getting a VA to do that for you. Okay. And then you, um, it, it populates the addresses, or you download yeah. it with the list source, or how do you do that? Well, I'll download the list from list source, or, or listability is another service that I use. And then I, I scrub that, and I got a list of 5,000 sellers I want to mail to. And I create my postcard inside a click-to-mail with what are called merge fields. And that just will merge fields from my database. Um, mm. So then I will, um, you know, create the postcard with the merge fields in there, upload mm -hmm. my list, and it'll merge those fields from the list, from the spreadsheet, into the postcard. So every postcard is different. It's personalized. Hey, Mr. Smith, I want to buy our house at 123 Main Street. Right. And, you know, if you just go to YouTube and do a search for uh, how to use click to mail you'll see videos on YouTube on how to use click to mail that show you what, what exactly what I'm talking about okay
cool. Cool. Good stuff, guys. I want to be respectful of Joe's time, so we're going to end this call in 10 minutes, but I want to see if anybody else has some other calls. We've got time for at least one or two more. Hey, Joe. Question about automation. Okay. Question about what, automation. What do you mean by automation? What examples. Do I, what do I mean by that? Yeah, examples. Um, uh, Podio. <laughs> That's the best answer I can give to that, right? Podio is uh, just go to podio.com. P as in Peter, O D as in dog, I O, podio.com. Automation means to me systems. Um, it's just like McDonald's has the most amazing systems on the planet because they can run a multi million dollar business um, with teenagers. Flipping the fries, flipping the burgers, and flipping the fries. A system means everything is set up and in place. It's just like an airline that has these uh, flight safety brochures. When you open them, when you're in an airplane, that's a that's an automated system in a sense that it shows you. All right, without words, they created these things for people to understand that don't even speak English, and it shows you how to do all of this stuff like buckle your seatbelt and jump out the door and and um etc cetera, etc cetera. so um when i automate a system i break it down into the most simplest terms so that anybody can understand it and then a va can do it for me so an an example of a system for me would be my vas who do all of my craigslist marketing i created a document that spells out what I want them to do. I want them to go to Craigslist and I want them to look for homes that meet certain criteria that I'm looking for. And then when they find that house, I want them to send certain messages to those landlords and to those sellers. And then when a response comes back, I want them to put that stuff into Podio. So I create, I, I write this document down and then I do a video of me walking through it and then I upload that video and put a link to that video in the in the document and I send that to my VAs. So that's an automated system where um, somebody else from the Philippines or in St. Louis can run for me and I don't have to manage it. I'm just looking at the results. Every day I'm looking in Podio and I see five new leads from Craigslist in there. I know the system's working. It's automated. It gets done with in spite of me. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Sure. It's basically a set of processes. Yeah. And once yeah. you have that system done, then you delegate it to someone else. That's the marketing automation delegation piece of it. Got it. Thank you. So, Joe, there's times, there's times when you do it and you figure out the system yourself, but then there's times where you delegate even figuring out the system to somebody else. Is that right? Yeah, because, yeah, that's kind of like the next level. You you tell your person, your assistant, hey, I want this done. Go figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and trusting them because they're, they're smarter than you. Believe it or not, I, you know, I, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but my assistants in many ways are smarter than me. And um, they they know how to do things or figure things out, and I want them to figure it out. And so... That's hard for me sometimes still, but I try real hard to do that and and uh 
I, I, I give them some general direction. Go figure out how to do this. And uh, it gets done. I have a quick question about your, um, like, any paper document. Like, do you have, like, mail come to you and, and if you're out of town for several months? Yeah. Um, how do you get that to you and things like that? Well, I use a, I have a UPS store mailbox. And I'd recommend everybody get a, an account with the, one of those UPS stores. <laughs> because this is funny, Sean. Um, you guys should seriously think about doing this, too. Because if you ever change your office, you're going to have to change your address again. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, a UPS store is great. Now, I was doing, I do a ton of direct mail. So I get a lot of angry responses to my direct mail. And uh, I actually had people that were looking up the address and seeing that it was a UPS store and calling the UPS store and they were complaining about my mail. Who's this guy sending me this mail? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, so what I did, and, and the problem is too, if you look at my UP address, my, my address uh, online, you'll find my company name on there. And I'm sending postcards for other investors, for other students. So um, I actually got another UPS store account at another location um, in Lake St. Louis. So one of my UPS stores is in O'Fallon. Another one is in Lake St. Louis, which are suburbs near where I live. And uh, I warned the guy at the new account that I opened up. I, we warned him in advance saying, look, we do a bunch of direct mail. We get a lot of angry hate mail back. And sometimes people will call the, your location wondering, why are you sending these postcards to them and i said are you okay with that he said yeah i don't care um so i mean that doesn't happen a lot um it's it's just when you do a lot of volume like that right um you're going to get a lot of angry hate mail i don't know why you know whoever do you ever think about calling dominoes and complaining to them when you get one of their pieces of mail in the in the mail no so but for some reason, well, some people do anyway. Right, yeah, I'm sure they do. So, um, yeah, the answer. Yeah, okay, so to answer your like question, you tell people <laughs> I, I, I'm horrible at being succinct with my answers. Um, I have an assistant who every day <laughs> or every couple of days would go to the UPS store and check my mail, and the, she would also okay. go to my house and check my mail at my house. And anything that wasn't junk mail, she'd take a picture of it and ask me if I wanted her to open it or not. And then if okay. if I replied back yes, then she would open the letter and take a picture of the contents and send it to me. So that's kind of how uh, I handled the mail while I was gone. Okay. I thought that, like, maybe at the UPS store, they were able to go in there and uh, maybe take a picture of just the mail itself. You know, or I, maybe they could if I asked them to and I paid them extra for it, but I just had my assistant do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've had Sean. I've had that UPS store address for since 2006 now, so eight years. No, yeah, eight years. And uh, I've had a lot of different offices and have moved several times since then. So I'm I'm glad I do that. There are services out there that will uh, actually scan in your mail for you and and literally email it all to you if you want. Yeah, that's a real good point. There's there's also services for people who do full time RVing. Um, where you just have your mail forwarded to their company, and once a week they'll mail it all to you. Um, so if you just Googled RV 
mailing services or whatever. You'll find companies that do that specifically for RVers. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, got a question in Atlanta, if you can take one more, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll do one more before we wrap it up. Um, and submitted this online as well. Um, Joe, we we uh, bought and had begun implementing your Leads in an Hour course. Um, cool. Great stuff. Thanks for putting that together. Um, what percentage of your deals still come from Craigslist these days, and, and, and what changes have you made to your Craigslist marketing recently just as the market continues to change and as more users jump on the bandwagon? Um, if people are curious about what you're talking about, if you go to onehourleads.com, you see this little course that I created. It's 97 bucks. It's really good. Um, onehourleads.com. Um, and I created that with a guy named Rob Swanson. It's, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's a great course. But anyway, I'd say probably 25% of our deals come from Craigslist. Um, not as many as used to um, because postcards just work so stinking well. I, I love postcards. It's unfortunate that it, they, they cost money, but postcards work so well. Um, and Craigslist works as well too. So you know, I'm getting five to ten leads a day in St. Louis from Craigslist. It's just that with postcards, because we're going after such a targeted list, um, the percentage of deals that come from postcards are higher than the percentage of deals that come from Craigslist. Um, but it's still very, very important to do. And what has changed? Um, Google Voice is a lot more difficult to use. Um, it used to be Google Voice, you know, anybody could sign up for an account, you could give access to your VA, and your VA could send 40, 50 text messages a day from the Philippines. Um, but Google Voice has really kind of clamped down in the last three to four months, where if you sign up for a new account and you start sending the same text message like five times in a row, they'll shut you down automatically. Um, so what did I do? I went and I got a... You know those really cheap prepaid um, cell phones that you can buy? Um, here in St. Louis, we have Boost Mobile. They're kind of popular all over the country. But I went and I bought a, a real cheap prepaid cell phone um, from Boost Mobile, and I gave it to my local assistant, and she now sends the text messages from the phone. And now it's an Android phone. I don't, I don't want to get too technical here, but there's a program you can buy called Mighty Text. It's an app or a website, Mighty Text. And what that does is it allows you to send text messages from your computer through your phone. And so what you could do, what you do is you get your VA to log into Mighty Text for you and send text messages. So it'll send them from your real phone, and your VA can see the responses through Mighty Text and put them into Podio. So that's the biggest thing that's changed with Craigslist. I, you know, since it came out with that course, more people are using Craigslist now. Um, but it's still really, really effective. I mean, where else can you go to find vacant land, va uh, landlords of vacant homes, right? Every house that's on there advertising for rent or for sale by owner um, is a vacant house. And the landlords are giving you their phone numbers. So we like we'll text them and say, "Hey, do you want to sell your house?" If it's a Fisbo, we'll say, "Hey, we saw your property on Craigslist. How negotiable is your price?" I'm an investor. Is your price negotiable? You know. Um, so it's a great way to get your foot in the door. Um, the other thing I like to do is I like to contact the realtors and property managers 
who are advertising houses for rent in Craigslist. And I like to ask them, hey, is your client, would your client be interested in selling that house? Um, I'll let you represent me. You can get both sides of the commission. Now, sometimes they'll say no. Then I'll say, well, look, um, do you have any other clients with rental properties that they might like to sell? If, if I can make an offer on them, you can represent me and get both sides of the commission. And they'll say, well, yeah, maybe I have some. Let me look into it. And I'll say, well, can I email you my contact information? And uh, that way, if you come across a seller or somebody that has a deal, let me know and, and I'll let you represent me. And I'll, I'll buy it through you. The cool thing now is I have a database of emails of realtors and property managers. And once a week, we send everybody on our list an email. Hey, this is Joe. Do you have any deals? Just a couple sentences. Weekly, every week, send out an email. And uh, we consistently get leads from that. So it's Craigslist is not a one-time thing. It's it's a long-term it's a long-term game. And and since we've been doing this for so long, I literally have tens of thousands of phone numbers of landlords from all over the country. I have their phone numbers, <laughs> so I could, if I wanted to, do a large campaign to all the landlords um, with their phone numbers by voice blasts or text messages, asking them if they have a house they want to sell. Awesome. Thank you. Anyway, again, another another succinct answer to your question. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Sure, sure. All right, man. That was a good answer. Hey, man. I'm uh, I'm really, really appreciative of you being on this call, especially since it was last minute. Um, thanks for all the good information, man. It's uh, it's really cool to hear how you can actually do this business from pretty much anywhere if you. Do focus on what your strengths are and you tweak a couple things and make sure you're working on the most important things each day and you've yeah. answered clearly that the most important thing for you is marketing so I appreciate everything that you shared guys uh, thank you very much for everybody that was on this call the entire time and we didn't lose anybody on this call everybody stayed on from start to finish so obviously that means it was a good call uh, Joe any final thoughts before we wrap this up uh, no no you know I do I have know. a I, I did I just wrote a book Sean can I tell people how to get my book Sure. If you go to freebasicbook.com, free, let me make sure that site still works, freebasicbook.com. My partner, business partner, and I did a webinar on um, being being brilliant at the basics. And um, it's called Being Brilliant at the Basics. And We've turned those series of four webinars into a book, and they're really good. You just pay for shipping and handling. It's pretty cool. Check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you again, man, for being on the call. Thank you guys, everybody, for hanging in there. And uh, I appreciate it, man. Good stuff. All right, guys. Have See a you. great day, everybody.